Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Can you I'm really good. All right. Thank you. Okay, so I think we're all set to go. All right, so in your accolades there, I know I mentioned that you're a Bonner Scholar. Um, you want to first, let's start off so that we're, so everyone's on the same page, so they understand exactly where we're coming from at this point. Our, our uh, subject today is talking about education disparity and talking about uh, children of color be, having access to university and college, having access to uh, equal and equitable education um, in the classrooms throughout the United States. And we're going to obviously just talk about our, our experiences. And since you have been raised throughout the country, really, you've got to travel and you've got to do all kinds of things as you were growing up. And now um, being a Bonner Scholar, which is what you'll talk about in just a moment, and then going off to a prestigious univer- or college, Oberlin, uh, sought after a very, very... Um, I mean, it's hard for me to put it into words besides prestigious. It's, we're just so proud of that um, of that achievement. And then, of course, as a decorated athlete, coming from the uh, the history in which you did, and then, of course, now being uh, admissions counselor at that school and being able to go and recruit other children of color and um, other people who may not necessarily have that access to the schools and to that level of education. And so um, let's first start off with, what exactly is a Bonner Scholar, and how did you get there? Yeah, um, so uh, Bonner Scholars are actually funded by the Bonner Foundation. Um, the point of the Bonner Scholar program is to allow students of uh, low income or first generation to actually be able to do community service while being in school. Um, and so, what it required of us is every week we did around ten weeks, uh, ten hours of service. Um, and in our summers, we did a 280-hour summer of service, and we generally did about three different summers of service. Um, what this allows us to do is generally for low-income students, when you are in school, you do have to usually have a job, which then takes away your access to work with the community and actually do service. Mm-hmm. Um, so what this program does is it actually allows students to do service and have a stipend that helps them so that they don't have to sacrifice giving back to their communities. Um, while they're in college. Oh, that's awesome. So how did you learn yeah. about that scholarship? Yeah, um, so I was, uh, I do, I was first generation uh, in my immediate family. And, you know, my mom always told me, like, I had to get ahead of everything, you know, make sure my scholarships were taken care of. I always had good grades. Um, and so after I had actually found out about Oberlin, I was just looking for scholarships, looking for money. Um, and I ran into it on their website, actually. Oh, so you were actually just um, okay. So let's start there. I I think it's important to say that you you as a student you you've always been very driven, and you mm-hmm. were uh, not to know that you knew exactly what you wanted to do as you grew up, but you knew that you were you were driven you're a driven student, driven athlete. So um, my ex- like my experience, and I'm always referring back to growing up in Eugene, where you did a portion mm-hmm. of your time here in Eugene, um, and I always right. want to talk about how kids in middle school, in elementary school, in high school, of color be, being growing up in a predominantly white environment, whether or not that experience and that encouragement to go off to college in, versus, um, and not necessarily that the university is the end-all be-all, because some, you know, we're going to say some kids aren't really... Exactly. College yeah. isn't right for everybody. It's not yeah. right for everybody. But we're going to talk about going on into higher education just because as a, as a plate, um, as a general generality. 
But like I, like we were saying, it's like it's not for everybody. But even in that, even if going into trade schools is your is your goal, how mm-hmm. how much in your experience? And I can you know look back to mine as well. But how much in your experience do you feel grow in where you grew up and that you were encouraged to get in front of the class or that you were encouraged to get to the top of the line versus just kind of being in the classroom and and being just you know I don't know. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, definitely I was, I was always one of those kids that was like in the talented and gifted class. Um, and I kind of had an interesting high school situation. So, uh, I spent, as you know, I spent the beginning of my high school years actually at Waianae High School, um, in Oahu and Hawaii. Um, and then I followed my last two years at South Eugene High School, uh, here in Eugene. Um, so it was quite an interesting transition. So my, <laughs> my college process and my thought, um, it definitely started in Hawaii, which, um, would seem kind of counterintuitive because the school system, at least that I was a part of at that time in Hawaii, it was, I would say not the best. Yeah, um, right. Well, let's so, first start yeah. about, let's first, before I'm going to cut you off real quick, let's, let's say uh-huh. what YNI is. YNI is a super low income part of mm-hmm. Oahu, Oahu and yeah. it is a it's, lot of natives um yeah mostly natives definitely not uh fun not funded i mean the school system there is was atrocious literally sharing books no computers mm-hmm. those type of things so i want i want to i want to paint the picture you know really clearly because yeah. you know in Oahu, people say oh hawaii oahu that's amazing no we were on Waianae side and islands are very mm-hmm. small. Or you on why on I side? Islands are very small situation, so that you can just understand that in on on Oahu, on one side of that island, there are children in schools literally sharing books with no computers in a, in a library that was not that was last updated in like what nineteen eighty something or like it's it's mm-hmm. you know. And this is when were you there? Like this is two thousand and I was probably there. I was had to be there two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. 2010 11. So that's what was going on 2010 11 at your school. Okay, so I just want to paint the picture so they understand. Because you are a trooper, you know, Anna. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and your story will, will show that you are a trooper. And But I want to paint the picture so that the reality of what you trooped through, and that's kind of the, the point, is that the reality of what you guys, what we go through to be, uh-huh. to be where, where you are, to be. A scholarship to be a scholar to be a decorated athlete to be going to Oberlin College and then representing Oberlin College like you didn't just go through school there was there were definitely hurdles that you had to get mm-hmm. over um, and being at a school with, where funding was not is not available or wasn't just mm-hmm. just wasn't given is is super important so keep I digress keep going sorry <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely so uh, the cool thing about so yeah so and I was definitely uh, under underfunded but also you have to think about like you know colonialism that hawaii was uh, its own nation until the 1960s and so our traditional idea of education the kind of information we give them isn't as like you know it's like it's like the colonizer giving all the information right um, so that so there is that part of it happening as well um but yeah it definitely doesn't help that they're not funded um, and not supported properly either. Um, but what was really cool about I was if you're in the talented and gifted, um, your freshman year, you actually take algebra and geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, so by time you, yeah, by time you graduate, you can actually take five math. Um, and so that's something that I did. And I was really blessed to have this teacher who's actually 
um, a Teach for America teacher. Um, and he was my math teacher, and he realized that I was kind of ahead of the class. So instead of just me wasting my time, um, he had me, like, be his, like, assistant, and I would, like, help and, like, tutor kids in class um, and do all that kind of thing. And your teacher, um, your so, teacher in Hawaii, were they of color? So, yeah, so this yeah. was an Asian man. An yeah. Asian man, okay. And the, your, student, mm-hmm. your, so your student body was of color as well? Yeah, so mm-hmm. the majority of uh, Waina High School is going to be, like, Native Hawaiians, um, Filipinos, um, things like that. So okay. very, very little bit of white people. Okay, sure. okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that teacher specifically, he's actually the person who really got me, like, thinking about, like, college and, like, what my options were. Um, he, I remember he actually was like, oh, like, I was asking him about SATs and ACT and the kinds of things they ask and he wrote this question up and was like so like try to answer this and then he was telling me about like my thought process and he was like your thought process alone like will get you far enough like you just need to keep studying and doing all these things wow. um so he he really encouraged me to like keep going but I know that if I maybe didn't have a person like that or someone because he he did come from like low-income background as well he's mm-hmm. a teacher for America so he's pretty young too oh, okay um but yeah, so that was one thing I had, but there was no like other real programs that were happening um, from my knowledge at Why Not. So in that, so actually, in that situation, it really was teacher to student engagement. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. seeing that you were talented and gifted, and then not just saying, "Oh yeah, she's talented and gifted," but actually putting you in a position to utilize your strengths and and yeah. have you uh, grow from there. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he's actually the person that taught me about um, schools who meet 100% of need. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't I didn't know that that existed. I didn't know that that's something uh, that was an option. But for folks who don't understand what meeting 100% of need as a college, um, what that means is when you do your FOSPA, you get your EFC, which is your Estimated Family Contribution to College. Mm-hmm. Um, for students who uh, definitely come from lower income, estimated cost is going to be lower. Um, and so a lot of the prestigious private colleges, they actually meet 100% of need, which means, so say your oh. EFC to give in is zero, um, they're actually committed to paying the rest of the tuition um, for you to be there. Wow, they do uh, not so, tell you that. Yeah. They do not tell you that. Yeah. That is really, yeah. and that's the private prestigious college. They are paying 100 Wow. So it's not only it's not only private prestige. There are certain colleges that meet 100 percent of need. Uh-huh. Um, I just know that a lot of the like private prestigious or small colleges will do that. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. So Oberlin is one of those places that meets 100 percent of need. That's amazing. And the thing about it is, I wonder, you know, because I'm all cynical about these things. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder if like it's just a matter of people not knowing that. Or is it just a matter yeah. of like picking and choosing who they really want in, and so they don't advertise that? You know what I mean? Like one of the two. No, so it's not. It's not a secret. Uh, schools she aren't secret about whether you they don't have need, to have a code need. to know it. <laughs> no, you don't have to have a code. Um, I think that it's a lot of high schoolers don't. They don't know because they're not part of higher education. Uh. And if your counselors aren't like knowledgeable about like college process and like things like that you're you have no way to know about it there's there's nothing you can do to know you know i think parents too were like we're actually leaning on the counselors to know those things like we a lot of like you said your first generation 
you're an example of a student who was self-driven. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You were able to like, this is what I want. How do I get it? Um, but a lot yep. of parents are like trying to help their children through that. And, and we're going to the counselors like, what do you do? Like, I want my kid to do this. But if that child isn't necessarily, you know, is, is more average and is, is just trying to figure out how to go to college or like uh-huh. it's something that the counselors are not are not. Um, educated in, which is weird to me because I feel like that would be something um, really integral to making sure that their students are getting all the opportunities possible. And that's just a really great, uh, I mean, that's just a really great opportunity. Okay, so so you're in Hawaii. So you go from Hawaii, you go to South Eugene High School. Uh Uh-huh. South Eugene High School has got its own thing. (laughs) Yeah, so so on academic side, like South Eugene is, definitely a good academic school. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely prepares its students for college um, and things like that. Um, But I was also part of the AVID program at at South Eugene. Part of the AVID Um, program, okay. Yeah, so uh, for those that aren't familiar with AVID, it's it's a college access program. Um, Generally, it's for students who are kind of like in the middle of the road and will need like um, assistance or like support to make it to college and through the college process. I wanted to be a part of it just because I knew, like, there's lots of benefits for it. Like, you're very close with the principal when you're an avid to have a teacher that's there, like, just for you. So it's, like, your own counselor as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I recognized the support that you could get from them. Um, and although I wasn't, like, a quote-unquote struggling student, I was one of those students who definitely needed help with college access. So avid um, so- g- generally has that reputation of, well, they actually recruit kids that they believe would have access, have issues um, to with with money, with access to college, with a, with mm-hmm. uh, could be struggling academically, and they get they kind of recruit children to be into Abbott to try to help them make sure that they're successful through school, so that they have mm-hmm. a better opportunity of of um, you know of ju- right of getting to college. So so more about the culture of of South Eugene High School versus mm-hmm. the culture of um, of. Uh, when you're in Y and I, because the it, for me, I look at you know in, with my experience because you know I'm I'm older than you obviously, but yeah. I my my experience of being of color in school and ki- with kids that are not uh, with teachers who are not of color and with other students who are not of color, it ends up be, it's different. It was different for me, mm-hmm. and I and I think I have um, some experience just look with my own children trying to see where where they are in the classroom being driven or not driven and how they yeah. how they kind of went to the to the front of the classroom or not uh, being in Eugene is uh is absolutely different in that way now but we still have pockets of issues for sure but I want to mm-hmm. I want uh I'd like to know what you thought think of the culture sh- shift from uh being in a in a uh a school like the school you're in in Waianae versus coming back to Eugene and being in that school, even when you were in middle school here um, and then going to Hawaii and coming back. That, and this is, I know this is different for you because you are someone who can kind of overstand circumstances mm-hmm. like that. You do very well with uh, letting, letting those type of things slide off you so, and keeping uh, yourself focused on your goal. But you're also yeah. very observant, and you're not at all mm-hmm. naive or ignorant to what's going on around you. So yeah. I'd like for you to speak to that a little bit, just um, because I think that's probably more of the average experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Definitely. Um, so obviously moving, like I, I had had experience in Eugene. I did go to middle school there. Um, and then I moved away and then I came back. Um, so although for me, I was obviously used to the predominantly white situation, um, coming back was actually pretty hard, um, and very interesting. Uh, mostly it was like the idea of like, if you're in a history class, something comes up with a black person, like everybody will look at you, uh, which is like, I don't know, which is such a, I'm sure you've had that experience. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, things like that. But also like the expectations of me from I wouldn't say for my professors, um, because I was very blessed to have, like, Eileen Babs as a professor. Right. Uh, or as a teacher. Teacher, sorry, I've been in college. Higher <laughs> you got to remember way teacher. back to high school, way back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as a teacher, um, things like that. But I think the expectations that came from my peers were a lot lower, um, which, which, like, didn't, didn't affect me per se but I can definitely like the environment of it wasn't one where like my achievements academically felt celebrated or like I just felt like people were looking at me like not to do that well not that I would fail but not that I would like excel or be like a real scholar or academic um, there and I think and it's not something they said you know it's just like one of those things where they're surprised when you've done well or like, right. like things like that. <laughs> Who helped you get here? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. So, so yeah, that was definitely interesting to be in a classroom thinking about that, but also um, the academic setting, like it's like, it was like I turned up, like the fire turned on all of a sudden and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like what's going on? Um, so I really did struggle. Uh, oh, you mean when you got to South, the academic fire turned on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, obviously, I was I was uh, accelerated at YNI, so I had already taken uh, three sciences by the time I was in my junior year, so my next one would be, like, physics, and I was in AP Comp, and I did AP U.S. History, right. and uh, I was in chemistry and all this stuff, um, but the, the, like, the information I learned in chemistry, like, did not line up with information that I was expected to have known um, by the end of 10th grade. And Gene, so really trying to catch up when I didn't feel like the environment was looking for me to succeed was um, definitely more difficult for sure. It's yeah, and it's one of those things I noticed that like um, you know my uh, Barbara is fifteen and she went to uh, just for a brief stint uh, for one Mm -hmm. two terms in Houston. And the teachers were black. The students were were equally black, Latino, and white, meaning 25% in each uh, of the population of the school. The school was gigantic, you know, um, like, you know, 4,000 kids at the school. It's something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, when she was saying the same thing, it's like the academic rigor here was actually harder. But when she went, yeah, but when she went there, the expectations to her to for her to succeed was definitely strict. Like it, mm-hmm. it was like you, the teachers were not putting up with, you know, tardiness. We're not putting up with you not trying in class. You need to come. And mm-hmm. I, you know, when your report comes, they're like, is that the best that I need you to go back? Come to come after class. We're going to work on this. I need you to shine. Like I, I see you yeah. are not using your potential at 110 and we don't do 100 percent. We do 110. And these are black you know, teachers talking to black mm-hmm. students, talking to the students to work together. And she just felt like encouraged where here she feels like she's not necessarily encouraged. She's not 
she's not discouraged. Not not encouraged. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. she's not directly <laughs> discouraged, but she definitely isn't. They ain't looking for her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. And um and I think some people will probably be like, Well, why do you need to why do you need that? Why do you need well, to be I mean it's the it's the whole thing. Uh for I've always so I, I studied psychology and neuroscience as a student. Um so thinking about like the theory of like belonging and how folks learn and like goal achievement, um, it's really hard to achieve goals if you don't feel like what you're doing is actually like going to lead you to that goal or if you feel like that goal isn't right for you right um and since traditionally people of color especially black women and science and things like that are very low like low representations in the field Mm -hmm. um it's hard you don't have anything to look up to you don't so there's a sense of like misbelonging um that 